0: Act Four of The Notorious Mrs. Ebsmith by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The scene is an apartment in the Campo San Bartolomeo. The walls are of plaster. The ceiling is frescoed in cheap modern Italian fashion. At the end of the room is a door leading to Agnes's bedroom. To the left is an exit onto a landing, while a nearer door on the same side opens into another room. The furniture and the few objects attached to the walls are characteristic of a moderate-priced Venetian lodging. Placed about the room, however, are photographs in pretty frames and knick-knacks personal to Gertrude, and a traveling trunk and a bag are also to be seen. The shutters of the two nearer windows are closed a broad stream of moonlight coming through the further window, floods the upper part of the room. Hepzibah, a gray-haired north-country woman dressed as a lady's maid, is collecting the knick-knacks and placing them in the traveling bag. After a moment or two, Gertrude enters by the further door. Gertrude, at the partly closed door, speaking into the further room.
1: I'll come back to you in a little while, Agnes.
0: Closing the door and addressing Hepzibah.
1: How are you getting on, Heppy?
2: All right, Miss Gertie. I'm putting together all the small knick-knacks to lay
0: them with the class of the trunks. Gertrude taking some photographs from the table and bringing them to Hepzibah.
1: We leave here at quarter to eight in the morning. Not a minute later. Aye. Will there be much to pack for Mistress Cleve? Nothing at all. Besides her handbag, she has only the one box.
0: Hepzibah pointing to the trunk. Nay, no but that thing.
1: Yes, no but that. I pack that for her at the palazzo.
2: Eh, it won't gee us o'er much trouble to mate Mistress Cleve when we get her home.
1: Happy, we are not going to call my friend Mrs. Cleve. Nay, what will thee call her? I'll tell you by and by. Remember, she must never... Never be reminded of the name,
2: ay, I'll be most careful, poor leddy after the way she treated that husband of hers in Florence neat and day, neat and day, the world's full of unhappiness, happy the world's full of husbands, I can abide them, they're true enough when they're ailin, but alas can't keep her Joe always sick. Hey, Miss Gertie, don't forgive your old happy for what why your own man so i heard near had as much as a bit headache till he caught his fever and died It.
1: no i never knew captain thorpe to complain of an ache or a pain
2: and he was a rare bonny husband to
0: thee if a tales be true yes happy listening and (gasps) startled who's this hepzibah going and looking maister amos Amos enters briskly. Amos to Gertrude. How is she? Gertrude assisting him to remove his overcoat.
1: More as she used to be. So still, so gentle.
0: She's reading. Amos looking at her significantly. Reading? Reading. He sits humming a tomb while Heppy takes off his shoes and gives him his slippers.
2: Hey, Maestramos. Hey, it's good to see thee, say, Glotsam.
0: Home, happy
3: home.
2: Ay, hame.
3: With our savings.
2: Thy
0: savings.
3: Che. get on with your packing.
0: Hepsibah goes out carrying the traveling bag and Amos's shoes. He exchanges the coat he is wearing for a shabby little black jacket, which Gertrude brings him. Gertrude filling Amos's pipe.
1: Well, dear go on
3: well i've seen them them the duke and sir sandford cleeve
1: at the hotel
3: i found them sitting together in the hall smoking listening to some music
1: quite contented with the arrangement they believed they had brought about
3: apparently so especially the baronet a poor cadaverous creature
1: where was mr cleeve
3: he had been there, had an interview with his wife, and departed.
1: Then, by this time, he has discovered that Mrs. Epsmith has left him?
3: I suppose so.
1: Well, well, the Duke, and the cadaverous baronet.
3: Oh, I told them that I considered it my duty to let them know that the position of affairs had suddenly become altered.
0: She puts the pipe in his mouth and strikes a match.
3: That, in point of fact, Mrs. Ebsmith had ceased to be an element in their scheme for re-establishing Mr. Cleve's household.
0: Gertrude holding a light to his pipe.
1: Did they inquire as to her movements?
3: The Duke did. Guessed we had taken her.
1: What did they say to that?
3: The baronet asked me whether I was the chaplain of a home for... Ah!
1: Brute! And then
3: then they suggested that i ought hardly to leave them to make the necessary explanation to their relative mr lucas cleeve
1: yes well
3: i replied that i fervently hoped i should never set eyes on their relative again
0: gertrude gleefully
3: "Ha!" but that mrs ebbsmith had left a letter behind her at the palazzo argonati addressed to that gentleman which I presume contained so full an explanation as he could desire.
1: Oh, Amos! Eh? You're mistaken there, dear. There was no letter.
3: No letter?
1: Simply four shakily written words.
0: Only four words?
1: My hour is over.
0: Hepzibah enters with a card on a little tray. Gertrude reads the card and utters an exclamation. Gertrude taking the card and speaking under her breath. Amos. He goes to her. They stare at the card together. Amos to Hepzibah. Certainly. Hepzibah goes out, then returns with the Duke of St. Olforts and retires. St. Olforts bows graciously to Gertrude and, more formally, to Amos. Pray, sit down. St. Ulfurt's seats himself on the settee.
4: Oh, my dear sir, if I may use such an expression in your presence,
0: here is the devil to pay. A Mr. St. Ulfurt's.
4: You don't
3: mind my pipe?
0: St. Ulfurt's waves a hand pleasantly.
3: And I don't mind your expression.
0: Sitting by the table.
3: The devil to pay?
4: This, I dare say, well-intentioned interference of yours has brought about some very unpleasant results. Mr. Cleave returns to the Palazzo Alconati and finds that Mrs. Epsmith has flown.
3: That result, at least, was inevitable.
4: Whereupon he hurries back to the Daniele, and announces all for a set of
0: conspirators.
3: Your Grace doesn't complain of the injustice of that charge?
0: St. Olfort, smilingly. No, no, I don't complain.
4: But the brother, the wife... Just when they imagined they had bagged the truant, there's a sting.
1: Oh, then Mr. Cleave now refuses to carry out his part of the shameful arrangement?
0: Absolutely. Rising, taking a chair and placing it by the settee.
4: Come into this, dear Mrs. Thorne. Thorpe. Come into this.
0: Sitting again.
4: You understand the sort of man we have to deal with in
0: Mr. Cleave. Gertrude, Sitting.
1: A man who prizes a woman when he has lost her.
0: Precisely.
1: Men don't relish,
4: I suppose, being cast off by women? It's an inversion of the picturesque. The male abandoned is not a pathetic figure. At any rate, our poor Lucas is now raving fidelity to Mrs. Epsmith. Ah! If you please. He cannot, will not exist without her. "'Reputation, fame, fortune are nothing weighed against Mrs. Ebsmith, "'and we may go to petition so that he recovers Mrs. Ebsmith.' "'Well,
3: to be plain, you're not asking us to sympathise with Mrs. Cleve "'and her brother-in-law over their defeat?'
4: "'Certainly not. All I ask, Mr. Winterfield, is that you raise no obstacle to a meeting between Mrs. Cleave and... and...
0: No! St. Olphert signifies assent. Gertrude makes a movement. St. Ulfurt's to her.
4: Don't go.
3: The object of such a meeting?
0: Mrs.
4: Cleave desires to make a direct personal appeal to Mrs. Epsmith.
1: Oh, what kind of woman can this Mrs. Cleave be?
4: A woman of character. Who sets herself to accomplish a certain task.
1: Character.
3: Hush, Gertie.
4: And who gathers his skirts tightly around her, and tiptoes gently into the mire.
3: To put it clearly, in order to get her unfaithful husband back to London, Mrs. Cleave would deliberately employ this weak, unhappy woman as a lure.
4: Perhaps Mrs. Cleave is an unhappy woman.
1: What work for a wife?
4: Wife? nonsense she is only married to cleeve
0: amos walking up and down
3: it is proposed that this meeting should take place when
4: i have brought sir Sandford and mrs cleeve with me
0: pointing towards the outer door
4: they are if i decline it's known you leave for milan at a quarter to nine in the morning there might be some sort of foolish inconvenient scene at the station
3: surely your grace
4: Oh, no. I shall be in bed at that hour. I mean between the women, perhaps, and Mr. Cleve. Come, come, sir. You can't abduct Mrs. Epsmith. Nor can we. Nor must you gag her.
0: Amos appears angry and perplexed.
4: Pray be reasonable. Let her speak out for herself. Here, finally, and settle the business. Come, sir, come.
0: Amos going to Gertrude and speaking in a low voice. Ask her. Gertrude goes out.
3: Cleve, where is he while this poor creature's body and soul are being played for? You have told him she is with us?
4: No, I haven't. He must suspect it. Well, candidly, Mr. Winterfield, Mr. Cleve is just now employed in looking for Mrs. Ebsmith elsewhere.
3: Elsewhere?
4: Sir Sanford recognized that, in his brother's present mood, the young man's presence might be prejudicial to the success of these delicate negotiations.
3: So some lie has been told him to keep him out of the way?
4: Now, Mr. Winterfield.
3: Good heavens! Duke, forgive me for my roughness. You appear to be fouling your hands, all of you, with some relish.
4: "'I must trouble you to address remarks of that nature to Sir Sanford Cleeve. "'I am no longer a prime mover in the affair. "'I am simply standing by.'
3: "'But how can you stand by?'
4: "'Confound it, sir. "'If you will trouble yourself to rescue people, "'there is a man to be rescued here as well as a woman. "'A man, by the way, who is a, a sort of relative of mine.' "'The
3: woman
0: first.
4: "'Not always.' you can rescue this woman in a few weeks time it can make no difference
0: hamus indignantly
4: ah you are angry i beg
3: your pardon one word i assure your grace that i truly believe this wretched woman is at a fatal crisis in her life i believe that if i lose her now there is every chance of her slipping back into a misery and despair out of which it will be impossible to drag her oh i'll be perfectly open with you at this moment we my sister and i are not perfectly sure of her her affection for this man may still induce her to sacrifice herself utterly for him she is still in danger of falling to the lowest depth a woman can attain Come, Duke. Don't help these people. And don't stand by. Help me and my sister, for God's sake.
4: My good Mr. Winterfield, believe me or not, I... I positively like this woman. Amos Gladly. Ah! She tracks me curiously. And if she wanted assistance... Doesn't she? Money. No, no she should have it but as for the rest well 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 sir you must understand me it is a failing of mine i can't approach women i never could in the missionary spirit
0: gertrude re-enters the men turn to face her amos to gertrude will she yes st olfurtz limps out of the room bowing to gertrude as he passes
1: oh amos
3: are we to lose the poor soul after all gertie
1: i-i can't think so oh but i am afraid
0: st olfurtz returns and sir sanford cleeve enters with sibyl cleeve sanford is a long lean old young man with a pinched face sibyl is a stately handsome young woman beautifully gowned and thickly veiled
4: mrs thorpe mr winterfield
0: sybil and sanford bow distantly to gertrude and amos amos to sanford and sybil indicating the settee will you sybil sits on the settee sanford takes the chair beside her gertrude gertrude goes out sir sanford pompously mr winterfield I find myself
5: engaged on a peculiarly distasteful task.
3: I have no hope, Sir Sandford, that you will not have strength to discharge it.
5: We shall object to loftiness of attitude on your part, sir. You would do well to reflect that we are seeking to restore a young man to a useful and honourable career.
3: You are using very honourable means, Sir Sandford
5: i shall protest against any perversion of words
0: mr winterfield the door of the further room opens and gertrude comes in then agnes the latter is in a rusty ill-fitting black stuffed dress her hair is tightly drawn from her brows her face is haggard her eyes are red and sunken a strip of linen binds her right hand st olfert speaking into sibyl's ear
4: the lean witch again the witch of the iron hall at st luke's
0: Sibyl in a whisper is that the woman
4: you see only one of them there are two there
0: sandford rises as agnes comes slowly forward accompanied by gertrude amos joins gertrude and they go together into the adjoining room gertrude giving agnes an appealing look sir sandford to agnes I- i am mr lucas cleve's brother with a motion of his hand towards Sybil. this is this is he swallows the rest of the announcement and retires to the back of the room where he stands before the stove st olfert strolls away and disappears Sybil to agnes in a hard dry disdainful voice i beg that you will sit down agnes sits mechanically with an expressionless face
6: i-i don't need to be told that this is a very-a very unwomanly proceeding on my part
5: i can't regard it in that light under the peculiar circumstances
6: i'd rather you wouldn't interrupt me sanford to agnes but the peculiar circumstances to borrow my brother-in-law's phrase are not such as to develop sweetness and modesty
5: i suppose again i see you wrong yourself there Sybil.
0: Sybil, impatiently
6: oh please let me wrong myself for a change to agnes when my husband left me and i heard of his association with you i felt sure that his vanity would soon make an openly irregular life intolerable to him vanity is the cause of a great deal of virtue in men the vainest are those who like to be thought respectable
5: really i must protest but lady
6: cleeve the mother and the rest of the family have not had the patience to wait for the fulfilment of my prophecy and so i have been forced to undertake this journey
0: i demur to the expression forced sybil cannot we be left alone surely sanford bows stiffly and moves away following st olford's
6: however there's this to be said for them poor people Whatever is done to save my husband's prospects in life must be done now. It is no longer possible to play fast and loose with friends and supporters, to say nothing of enemies. His future now rests upon a matter of days,
0: hours almost. Rising and walking about agitatedly.
6: That is why I
7: am sent here. Well, why I am here.
0: Agnes, in a low, quavering voice.
7: What is it you are all asking me to do now? We are asking you to continue to—to exert your influence
6: over him for a little while longer.
0: Agnes rising unsteadily. (sighs) Ah. She makes a movement to go, falters, and irresolutely sits again.
7: My influence? Mine.
0: Sybil with a stamp of the foot.
6: You wouldn't underrate your power if you had seen him, heard him, about an hour ago. Mockingly. After he had discovered his bereavement—
7: he will soon forget me. Yes, if you don't forsake him. I am going to England, into Yorkshire. According to your showing, that to draw him back.
6: Oh, I have no doubt that we shall hear of him. In
7: Yorkshire. You'll find him dangling about your skirts. In Yorkshire. And he will find that I am determined, strong. Ultimately he will tar,
6: of course. But when? And what assurance have we that he returns to us when he is wearied of pursuing you? Besides, don't I tell you that we must make sure of him now? It's no use his begging us, in a month's time, to patch us home and reputation. It must be now, and you can end our suspense. Oh, come, hideous as it sounds, this is not much to ask. Agnes, shrinking from her. Oh! oh don't regard me as the wife! that's an unnecessary sentiment i pledge you my word it's a little late in the day too for such consideration so come help us i will not he has an old mother poor woman and remember you took him away i practically you did with your tender nursing and sweet compassion isn't it straining a point
7: to shirk bringing him back
0: agnes rising
7: i did not take him from you "'You—you sent him to me!' "'Oh, yes.
6: That tale has been dinned into your ears often enough, I can quite believe. I sent him to you. My coldness, heartlessness, selfishness sent him to you. The unsympathetic wife, eh? Uh, Yes, but you didn't put yourself to the trouble of asking for my version of the story before you mingled your woes with his.'
0: Agnes faces her suddenly.
6: "'You know him now. Have I been altogether to blame, do you still think?' unsympathetic (laughs) because i've so often had to tighten my lips and stare blankly over a shoulder to stop myself crying out in weariness of his vanity and pettiness cruel because occasionally patience becomes exhausted at the mere contemplation of a man so (laughs) self-absorbed why you married miserably the duke of st alphitz tells us before you made yourself my husband's champion and protector Why didn't you let your experience speak a word for me?
0: Agnes quickly turns away and sits upon the settee, her hands to her brow.
6: However, I didn't come here to revile you.
0: Standing by her.
6: They say that you're a strange woman. Not the sort of woman one generally finds doing such things as you have done. A woman with odd ideas. I hear, oh, I'm willing to believe it, that there's good in you
0: agnes breaks into a low peal of hysterical laughter
7: who tells you that the duke Ha! <laughs> a character from from him <laughs> uh.
0: sybil her voice and manner softening
6: well if there is pity in you help us to get my husband back to london to his friends to his old ambitions
7: Your <laughs> husband
6: the word slips out I swear to you that he and I can never be more to each other than companion figures in a masquerade. The same roof may cover us, but between two wings of a house, as you may know, there often stretches a wide desert. I despise him. He hates me.
0: Walking away, her voice breaking.
6: Only... I did love him once. I don't want to see him utterly thrown away. Wasted... I don't quite want to see that.
0: Agnes rises and approaches Sibyl fearfully. Agnes, in a whisper.
7: Lift your veil for a moment.
0: Sibyl raises her veil. Tears. Tears. With a deep groan. Oh. Sibyl turns away.
7: Aye, I'll do it. I'll go back to the palazzo at once.
0: Sibyl draws herself up suddenly.
7: I've wronged you, wronged you.
0: Oh, God, oh, God. She totters away and goes into her bedroom. For a moment or two, Sibyl stands still, a look of horror and repulsion upon her face. Then she turns and goes towards the outer door.
6: Sanford, Sanford!
0: Sir Sanford Cleve and the Duke of St. Olforts enter. Sir Sanford to Sibyl well
6: she is going back to the palazzo
0: you mean that she consents to sybil stamping her foot i mean that she will go back to the palazzo sitting and leaning her head upon her hands
6: oh oh
0: need we wait any longer then
6: these people these people who are befriending her tell them
5: really it can hardly be necessary to consult Sybil fiercely.
6: I will have them told. I will have them told.
0: Sanford goes to the door of the adjoining room and knocks. Returning to Sybil as Gertrude and Amos enter, Sybil draws down her veil. Gertrude looking round.
1: Mrs. Ebbsmith, Mrs. Ebbsmith.
5: Ah, uh, many matters have been discussed with Mrs. Ebbsmith. Undoubtedly, she has for the moment. Considerable influence over my brother. She has consented to exert it to induce him to return at once to London.
0: I think I understand you. Agnes appears at the door of her room, dressed in bonnet and cloak. Agnes! Agnes comes forward, stretches out her hand to Gertrude, and throws herself upon the settee. Sybil to Sandford, clutching his arm.
6: Take me away.
0: They turn to go. Gertrude to Sybil.
1: Mrs. Cleve.
0: Looking down upon Agnes.
1: Mrs. Cleve, we, my brother and I, oh, hoped to save this woman. She was worth saving.
0: You have utterly destroyed her. Sybil makes no answer, but walks slowly away with Sanford, then stops and turns abruptly
6: no i I will not accept the services of this wretched woman i loathe myself for what i have done
0: coming to agnes look up look at me proudly lifting her veil
6: i decline your help i decline it
0: to gertrude and amos
6: you hear me and you i unsay all that i have said to her it is too degrading i will not have such an act upon my conscience
0: to agnes
6: understand me if you rejoin this man i shall consider it a fresh outrage upon me i
0: hope you will keep with your friends gertrude holds out her hand to sybil sybil touches it distantly agnes clutching at sybil's skirts
7: forgive me forgive
0: sybil retreating oh please turning and confronting sanford uh,
6: tell your mother i have failed i am not going back to england
0: lucas enters quickly he and sibyl come face to face they stand looking at each other for a moment and she sweeps past him and goes out sandford follows her lucas coming to agnes agnes to agnes in rapid earnest undertones
8: they sent me to the railway station my brother told me you were likely to leave for milan tonight I ought to have guessed sooner that you were in the hands of this meddling parson and this sister why has my wife been here
0: agnes in a low voice rocking herself gently to and fro
8: your wife your wife and the others what scheme is afoot now why have you left me why didn't you tell me outright that i was putting you to too severe a test you tempted me you led me on TO PROPOSE THAT I SHOULD PATCH UP MY LIFE IN THAT WAY.
0: She rises with an expressionless face.
8: But it is that one good result. I know now how much I depend on you. Oh, I have had it all out with myself, pacing up and down that cursed railway station.
0: Laying his hand upon her arm, and speaking into her ear.
8: I don't deceive myself any longer. "'Agnes, this is the great cause of the unhappiness I've experienced of late years. "'I'm not fit for the fight and press of life. "'I wear no armor. I am too horribly sensitive. "'My skin bleeds at a touch, even flatter wounds me. "'Oh, the wretchedness of it! "'But you can be strong. "'At your weakest there is a certain strength in you. "'With you, in time, I feel I shall grow stronger.' Only I must withdraw from the struggle for a while. You must take me out of it and let me rest. Recover breath as it were. Come, forgive me for having treated you ungratefully, almost treacherously. To morrow we shall begin our search for our new home. Agnes
7: I have already found a home.
8: Apart from me, you mean?
7: Apart from you No no, you'll not do that. Lucas this evening two or three hours ago you planned out the life we were to lead in the future we had done with madness if you remember henceforth we were to be mere man and woman you agreed then but we hadn't looked at each other clearly then as mere man and woman you the man what are you you've confessed
8: i lack strength i shall gain it
7: never from me never from me for what am i untrue to myself as you are untrue to yourself false to others as you are false to others passionate unstable like yourself like yourself a coward i i was to lead women i was to show them in your company how laws laws made and laws that are natural may be set aside or slighted how men and women may live independent and noble lives without rule guidance or sacrament i was to be the example the figure set up for others to observe and imitate but the figure was made of wax it fell awry at the first hot breath that touched it you and i what a partnership it has been how base and gross and wicked almost from the very beginning we know each other now thoroughly How base and wicked it would remain. Now, go your way, Lucas, and let me go mine. Where... where are you going? To Cetheric. To think.
0: Wringing her hands.
7: Ah, I have to think, too, now, of the woman I have wronged. Wronged? Your wife, the woman I have wronged, who came here tonight and
8: spared me. Oh, go... Not like this, Agnes, not like this.
0: Agnes appealingly. Gertrude. Lucas looks round, first at Gertrude, then at Amos, and with a hard smile on his face turns to go. Suddenly Agnes touches his sleeve.
7: Lucas, when you have learnt to pray again, I will remember you every day of my life.
0: Lucas, staring at her.
8: Pray, you...
0: She inclines her head twice, slowly. Without another word, he walks away and goes out. Agnes sinks upon the settee. Amos and Gertrude remain stiffly and silently in the attitude of people who are waiting for the departure of a disagreeable person. St. Olfert's After Watching Lucas's Departure
4: Now I wonder whether, if he hurried to his wife this moment, repentant and begged her to relent, I wonder whether, whether she would, whether,
0: looking at Amos and Gertrude a little disconcertedly.
4: I beg your pardon. You're not interested.
3: Frankly, we are not.
4: No. Other people's affairs are tedious.
0: Producing his gloves,
4: well, a week in Venice. The weather has been delightful.
0: Shaking hands with Gertrude, whose expression remains unchanged. A pleasant journey. Going to Agnes, offering his hand.
4: Mrs. Ebbsmith.
0: She lifts her maimed hand. Ah, uh, an accident. She nods wearily. I'm sorry. I. He turns away and goes out, bowing to Amos as he passes. End of Act Four. End of The Notorious Mrs. Ebsmith by Arthur Wing Pinero